0: Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast, everyone. We've got a very special guest here today. Corey is joining us. He's our wonderful workmate on the ConvertKit team. Welcome, Corey, to the show. I don't think you've been on the Future Belongs to Creators podcast before, have you? I don't think so. That's exciting, then. We get you first.
1: Yeah, I think this might be my first go.
0: Well, I was really interested in having Corey come on today because he recently started a new music project. It's called Season Cove. And wait, how did you describe it to us the other day, Corey? There was a line you used. I don't want to screw it up, so you tell us. How do you describe your music? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs)
1: Um, Now you're gonna put me on the spot to try and remember that because it was so good. I'm not- It was great. It made me cry, but boy, you are putting me on the spot.
0: Shall I take a guess at it? Because what I think it was, was music you can fall asleep to.
1: Yeah, that's the one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I think you, that instantly gives an idea of like the vibe that Corey is going for with his music. I don't think that he's going to play any for us today. It might not be ready yet, but we want to talk to him today about this journey of starting this music project, being a musician and what that's all like when you're getting started in, in those early stages. So yeah, welcome to the
1: show, Corey. Well, thank you. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Tell us about this project. What made you want to start it and what are your what are your goals with it?
1: So so season cove is kind of a um a departure from what I've done before. So a little bit of background on me musically. I've been playing music for the better part of the last like twenty-two years, I guess. Um boy, that makes me sound really old, but
0: at least twenty-two. <laughs>
1: well yeah. So I've been playing music for that long. I got a guitar for Christmas when I was nine. My dad always played guitar. Um I don't have it down with me but I actually have my dad's guitar it's mine now he does not have it anymore Uh, but it's a guitar (laughs) that I grew up with and my brother and I my older brother Jesse and I um, we we grew up learning together so I did like piano lessons for a few years when I was like seven or eight Uh, and then just from that point on just started kind of messing around and playing guitar and trying to learn and so my brother and I have always played our music closely together and the first ever song that we ever recorded was for a contest for sabian symbols and it was really bad it was a song called the ballad of the dogman and it was the contest was like they provide you the lyrics and then you have to write and record a song to those lyrics and it was so bad it was like everything about it was bad it actually sounds cool though i mean yeah. in theory <laughs> it wasn't no. it wasn't good um <laughs> and uh yeah so but but it was it, we made it like that's really what it came down it's like we made it and then we could put in these burned cds and we made like a ton of them just because and then it was ours it was our music and then from that point on we made a couple other albums he and i together when we first moved to california when i was 15 or so we bought this little portable it was a fostex um recorder that like recorded straight to this little inside drive and it was like really lame and um but again It was something that we made. And then from that point on, we just, anytime we were making music, it was all together, made another album. None of this was like released. This was all just stuff that we did. And I like sold some album or some CDs, I guess here and there. But so all of that being said, musically to date, all of my recording has been with my brother. And this specific project was me kind of coming back to the roots of just wanting to make music and be creative in that way. The last few years, I haven't, Spent a lot of time doing that, and so, so season Cove it was just kind of a way to say, "Hey, I want to do this stuff. I want to record. I want to do something different." My last album was was progressive metal, so that's kind of my background. Is it's so it's totally different. Like not
0: exactly music to fall asleep to. <laughs> well,
1: not not everyone can fall asleep to metal. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe one or two people, myself included. But one of the things I wanted to do was explore some different genres and and go more into like less into like abstract lyrical stuff, which is what the other albums and my other music had been and go more into like real life stuff because that's a little bit more interesting to me as I get older.
2: I love that. Corey is such an enigma to me because he's so talented in so many different avenues, right? And like a lot of musicians that are, um, or like really creative people, but like a lot of musicians, it's not like you can just follow this path, follow this dream say i'm going to be a musician right like you have to have in some cases stability in order to fuel or fund this other passion that you have and i really wanted to know about like what that journey looked like for you you know like you started making music heavy heavy rock band type Hardcore, every rock band. That's- yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever, we'll go with that. Uh, I missed how you described it. So you know, you started doing music, and then you, you know, I kind of want to know what your how your career has manifested and changed. And then when was it the right time to start this music journey again? And then doing that alongside a full time career that you have mm-hmm. now. And like, what's your long term journey really look like as both a musician and an engineer. Tell us your five-year plan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I like to say to a lot of people I don't even know what I'm doing next Thursday. So, <laughs> yeah, it is it is interesting because um, someone asked me recently what my my earliest dream was. What is your earliest dream that you can remember? The thing that when you were a kid, mm-hmm. did you want to be an astronaut? Did you want to be a doctor? Did you want to whatever? And silly enough, sillyly, sillyly enough, yeah, we're gonna go with that, Charlie. We're gonna go with it. My first dream was to be a rock star. Now to be clear, that is no longer my dream. I do not <laughs> want to be a rock star. But that was my earliest dream. You know, um was you know, I think it started off with the beginning of like I want to be in, on a stage in front of 10,000 people at some point. That was kind of the the dream. But how that's changed over time now is just like I just want uh, first off I want to write music for me. All of my all of my songs are written from a, a from a perspective of this is me dealing with stuff a lot of music in the 21st century and when i say 21st i really mean the last like 100 years is written to sell especially pop music like it's it's written and crafted and designed and there's like specific bpms and specific Notes that are like, once you hear that note and how it like works in conjunction with other notes, you start to hear it in all of the songs and it's just, it's crafted and designed Uh, and it's meant to sell and it's meant to be catchy and it's meant to, for people to stream it and listen to it. And that's fine, but that's not my goal. So my goal first and foremost is to, you know, continue to be a creative person and kind of experience what, what music is personally and also use it as a tool to process things. I wrote a song uh, recently, and this is going to sound really maybe kind of lame, but like the last few years have had. there's been a lot of grieving in my life and from various losses of different kinds, whether relational or home, whatever home is. And I wrote the song and I composed this music for it to help me grieve through the process to help me go through that grieving process. And so as it pertains to like long-term goal stuff, really, it's like, I don't really know. Um, Also because I'm not doing it full-time, right? Like there's a lot of people who are like, I'm all in on music and they go, but I, I work, I'm a web developer. I have two kids. I've got a wife. I've, you know, trying to do all this crazy life stuff. And then I'm also trying to make music. So I think for me, Maybe the big goal is to get on creator sessions, right? Ah,
0: <laughs> nice. I like Ooh, it. This is.
1: This, I know. I know someone that you might want to talk to. You know someone on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and this is the, also the weird part for me is I don't have huge goals other than just like wanting to continue producing music and learn also different things, right? So I'm learning mixing, you know, learning different strategies on how to create sound and and craft this space for people as they listen. But maybe the goal is also just like having music out there that I can share with people who are either going through hard things or going through stuff in life that they need to process and maybe the music can help them with that. So it's not a very clear goal. I get like, it's not like, oh, I want to get signed. I want to go like open for Dermot Kennedy or Noah Gunderson. Like, I
2: don't. I do love myself some Dermot Kennedy, man. I mean, if we're talking creator sessions, Corey, you're second to him, unfortunately. (laughs) No, no. If we can get Dermot, I'm in like 100%. (laughs) Um, Though I want to point out something that you said. You said I make music for me. And that has been like a really consistent thread. If you look through all the past creator sessions that we've had where artists have had really big successes and they always seem to talk about how they're not making music. Like a great example is Ingrid Andrus. She, she actually turned the opposite direction. So she said, I didn't want to make music that was commercial anymore. Like as a car- country artist, I wanted to make music that was telling my story. Right. And then If it's resonating with me, it's probably resonating with someone else in the most recent episode. Bear Reinhart mentioned that a lot of times. And it's just really been a consistent thread. And I think that that has, there's this, idea that in order to be successful as a musician, that you have to do what the, like you have to do what the world wants you to do. Right. But I have seen it. It's very contrary to that, where I've seen all the people, a lot of the people, the majority of uh, guests on creator sessions have really went against that thought. And they've just made music for the experiences that are happening in their life. And that happens, not happens to, but that coincides because it's so real, and it's not commercial. They're not singing about trucks and beers. You know what? I, I'm using Ingrid's example, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's not necessarily the the reality, right? Of of real life. And so I just, I really like that you said that because I feel like that that to a degree is kind of a sign of of success from me and my experience producing Creator Sessions.
1: Yeah, I think it can be. And, and I don't want to shame anybody either who like follows the formulaic versions of things. Like, and I, I don't think that's what either of us you know want but i i certainly i want to live a life where i'm like i look back on the music that i made and i was like i i I, this was an expression of myself this was an expression of my creativity and it wasn't just because i was trying to sell something yeah Uh, and it wasn't because i was trying to like follow this formula like you can get caught up in that stuff and maybe you can find success but is that going to be success that really matters in 100 years
2: I love that. I don't want to give this away because it's in a future episode that's coming up, but Willie Jones is is a, a black country artist, right? And he's coming up on Creator Sessions. We'll release him in like the next, I don't know, month or so. Cool. Stay tuned, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he said he was told, right? And, and mind you, like just for context, you know, he's a black country artist. There's a, not that many black country artists right now. And he was told, in order for him to be successful in country music, that he just needed to sing patriotic music. Like, you know, talk about be be patriotic. Sure. And so he wrote this really beautiful song called "American Dream," which is like, I don't want to say it's the anti, you know, the the anti patriotic song, but it's just a it's a totally different perspective about yeah. what his American dream is, you know, as a black man. And it's it was just so contrary to what everybody was telling him to do, and it it, it was beautiful and it um you know just challenged the norm of that genre of music but it takes a lot of courage to do that
0: yeah
3: i think it's really interesting that those people who where music is kind of it's their livelihood and it's what they do it's so interesting that when when your outlet is your livelihood it's kind of like this like intersection of a really of a really interesting thing that not a lot of us do you know I have my job, and I enjoy it, and it challenges me. And, you know, that's all great. But that's not my outlet. That's not how I get it all out. That's not how I cope with what's going on in my life. And for people to be doing that in a public space, I don't know, when you commodify your outlet, um, you know, sometimes it can cause you to resent the industry. It can cause you to feel like, it's changing, you know, the kind of music that you make. And as a, as a creator and a musician, do you sometimes wrestle with that? Like, I know we've talked in this podcast before about what your audience wants versus what you want to do. I don't want to open that back up exactly, but I just want to know what your experience has been with that. Because, you know, it's, it's music is a very personal thing. Not everyone's day-to-day job is personal. So what's that like?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of benefits and there's a lot of anti-benefits. <laughs> I guess I could have said pros and cons, but. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Anti-benefits. Yeah.
0: Benefits and anti-benefits. It's a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, I mean, the first benefit is that there's no pressure, right? Like you can just make whenever. You can sit down, you can have an idea and you just go. Uh, and it's not, it's not like I have to write the song because I need to pay the bills, Mm -hmm. So now I'm just sitting and thinking about the song. In fact, you know, we were talking about Dermot Kennedy. I'm a big fan on St. Patrick's Day this year. There was this uh, live stream that U2 put on and it was this conversation. The beginning part was this conversation between the U2 guitarist, The Edge or just Edge and Dermot Kennedy. They're just like chilling on Zoom. Right. It's like this weird thing where like U2 is one of the greatest bands in the history of the world. And dudes just on Zoom. I love it. And one of the things that Dermot was talking about was how in this last year, I guess at the end of 2019, he had released a new album. It was either end of 2019 or beginning of 2020, released a new album and was going to do touring. And then there was going to be this little bit of time to work on the next album. And he said, usually that's how it kind of works in the flow of the industry, right? You go, you make an album, you tour you find a pocket of time, you write, you make a new album, you tour that album and you go and you go and you go. And he said that with lockdown, with the pandemic, he wasn't touring. So he had way more time to work on music and he felt like what was coming out of that was a a, a better result than if he would have just had like a month and a half to write an album. And then people would have listened to him and like, oh, wow, yeah, he definitely, definitely rushed this one. So that's a huge benefit, right? So you can just go that in and of itself is also an anti-benefit because now there's no accountability there's no pressure and i think pressure can be healthy right like because if you deadlines and getting things done uh, and a clear example of that is myself where it took the last album that i worked on took seven years to complete because i just started it in some tiny little piano room at the college i was going to just started like you know doing some different notes and things but then i was doing school. And then I got married and then I was working and then I was doing all this stuff. And then at the same time I'm learning about music. So I'm going through and I'm like changing how sounds work. I'm changing out my plugins I'm changing out the mix. I'm adding new sections and all of this stuff because I didn't have structure. It was just like, make it. And so I literally had to just at a certain point, just be like, I need someone to hold me accountable. I need to get these things. We just need, it just needs to be done. So for me, as somebody who's not pursuing music in this full-time capacity, I really like the freedom to be able to just kind of sit down and make something without the pressure of thinking like, I've got to make sure I I craft this piece so that the first 10 to 15 seconds are catchy enough. So when someone streams it on Spotify, they'll keep listening to it. Like that's all songs are anymore. It's just what's the first 15 to 20 seconds of a song. And that's going to make or break the streams. And I don't have to think about that. I just sit down and I go, ah, it's so nice right so like i can nice. just sit i can just sit and i can just do that you know so but again if you have that freedom to kind of do that you can take longer if you need to teddy just said in the chat that hamilton took 6 years to make right cuz it's this process it's this ongoing thing and but again if you just keep working at it keep working at it all of a sudden it's 50 years later
0: how, how is this playing out for you right now? I'm curious to know because we talked about like long-term goals, but what yeah. is the next thing you're working on with Season Cove? You got a landing page out the other the other week, really. Wait, let's put it up on screen right now. You can go to seasoncove.com and check out their landing page, sign up to Corey's email list. He's sending out emails about this music-making process that he's going through. But, yeah, what's next? What is What are you working on specifically? <laughs>
1: The music. And that sounds so cheesy, but like that's kind of what I'm doing right now.
0: But like, are you gonna get one song finished, then launch it? Or are you gonna wait until you've got a whole album? You know, what is it that you're making?
1: Probably an EP, mm-hmm. something like that. And I think that the reason for that is because it it, it forces me to get something out before being like, oh and, and another thing for me right now, with kind of going back to what Miguel was asking about when you have your full-time job, I'm kind of just getting the pieces as I go, I'm creating this as I go rather than, you know, a lot of people, a lot of musicians will like plunk away at the guitar and they'll figure out maybe the whole song or parts of the song and then start laying it down the way I work, which is probably a detriment, but I like to get the sound that I want as I go. And it's not really great. You know, I'm, I was working on a song last night, actually a couple of nights ago, I sat down. I'm like, Oh, I have an hour and a half to write. This is great. I'm going to work on music. I'm going to do new song hour and a half in. I've got nothing. Like literally nothing except the, the, the four notes I just played. That's all I had.
0: Which is great four notes. That's all I had. That is,
1: that is a solid hour and a half's worth of work right there. That was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is the creative process sometimes, right? Like <laughs> if you're in it every now and again, you're like, oh, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to design this web page. Here's a rectangle, you know, yep. or, or whatever. Like <laughs> I've got one color on my canvas of paint. That's insane, insane man. But the next morning I woke up. And I was like, "Wait a minute. Can I can I do something with that?" Ooh, right? Ooh. Here comes. Here comes. No, no, no I was going I don't actually remember oh. what I did.
0: Oh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> well,
1: let's see. This is like uh, something like that. And then I was Ooh. like, "Well, what if I did something like that?" And then And then what if we pushed it through E? And so I didn't have that. And then all of a sudden I start adding more sounds to that. But literally all I had was this and that's all I had to work with. And so, so it's this process as a musician of going through and being like, I need to find what is it that I'm wanting to say? What is it that I'm wanting to feel? And then you move from that point on the problem is if there's no structure and there's no deadline, then it's not going to work. So, so right now what I'm doing is I, I think I'd like to get like four songs done and I probably should have a deadline and I'm trying to get people on board to like follow the journey, I guess. Um, I don't do any market. I haven't done any marketing. I'm a, I've am i been part of marketing teams for the last like six years and I'm terrible at marketing. I don't like to do it. I, like, I just <laughs> hell of a job pitch. Yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a, I, I've been in the marketing industry for seven years and I, uh, I don't know how to do it. But like I know all of the things that you're supposed to do. I just don't want to. Yeah. So what I'm doing right now is I've got a I've got an email list, which is also an outlet of creativity for writing and talking about the process. And I like that as well. Keeps me fresh. And then as things go, I have enough of a following kind of here and there. And like on Instagram, people have been following just randomly. I guess it, there's an algorithm that says, hey, you know this person maybe. And so, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really figured out a strategy for that. But the main thing right now is just getting, getting the stuff made. Because again it's all about the outpouring from myself and I get, I get the part of the marketing side of things where it's like, well, you could sing your heart out and it could be beautiful, but if no one listens to it, did it matter? Which that's a whole conversation in and of itself. But,
2: as an artist, there's a lot of different ways that you can, you know, like narrow in on your business model.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: what I love about like what, you know, if you're looking at your landing page, you so you guys pull up the landing page, you're, you really want to take people on that journey, right? Of like creating music. Yeah. Why is that important to you as a musician to share? You know, a lot of musicians don't do that, right? Like they just release their music and, and whatnot. And you've seen some big celebrities, right? Like you saw the Disney, um, partnership with taylor swift where she talked about the creation of folklore and like that was really important to her to share that story but why why is that important for you and why is that the path that you wanted to go down
1: well because stories matter more than anything like i would say the the pinnacle of the human experience is found in music and in story and when you can combine those two you really have something magical there's nothing that's that tops that. That's why it feels so good when you're at a concert and you're there and you go through the song and it's great. And then before the next one, the you know, the, the artist comes up and goes, All right, we're gonna, we're gonna sing this song. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it. That moment, there's there's just like this, there's this brief window into this story. And it makes the entirety of the song completely different. I have a very limited window of fans that I listen to, but going back to you two. One of their biggest songs of all time is where the streets have no name. And they were working on the Joshua tree back in the eighties and they were going through all their songs and they were like writing stuff. And, and at one point they're in the studio and Bono goes, we don't have a show opener. Like we don't have anything on this album. That's going to be the thing to just drive it. And Edge goes, all right, give me a week. And he just goes into some janky old house someplace that he had just rented and he starts plinking out. And just that week, all of a sudden, there's this huge song that's like one of the greatest song, greatest rock songs. That song has
3: such a good intro.
1: It's so good. Right. And because it was written. And so now every time I listen to it and and now I have the piece of this story where I can think about Edge sitting in this little Irish home somewhere in the middle of nowhere And it makes it more human, it makes it more relatable, it makes it just, there's this piece to that. So, you know, if I can incorporate those things of the story into the music, I can help bring the listeners along in in a different sort of a way. Especially if the lyrics are a little bit more abstract, and I want to help them find what their meaning is for those lyrics. It just makes it such a, it's such a, a richer experience, I think. And you know, it's like whenever you're watching a movie and you watch the behind the scenes and you're like, oh, that's how they did it. Or "Or that's the story for the thing. Then the next time you watch it, it's like the meme with, I don't know if any of you are in the Lord of the Rings, but like there's certain things in Lord of the Rings where you're like, you see that scene and you're like, oh, when he kicked that helmet, that's when he broke his toe. And now I know this thing.
2: <laughs> I'll, I love this conversation so much, but I have to say that all it's doing is making me miss live music so, so much, much, right? So much. I Same. When you were t- you were talking about Joshua Tree, right? And uh, Joshua Tree, not whatever the reference. I, re- you know, I think of Palm Springs, and I was lucky enough to go to um, Desert Trip, which was a a live or a concert that's put on by the same people that do Coachella, and so it was Paul McCartney, Neil Young, Roger Waters, The Who, Wow, Bob Dylan, and the Rolling Stones. And I was, um, we're at the company that I worked for previously. Coachella was a, a client, so I had. Like the ticket tickets that I had, I had a production pass basically, but the tickets that I had had to have been, I mean, I was surrounded by like hundreds of celebrities. It was the most amazing thing ever. Right. That's but fantastic. Paul McCartney's singing blackbirds. And I remember standing there with like with my arms out wide and you're in Palm Springs and the, the, uh, palm trees are blowing in the wind and there's this beautiful sunset back. And it was like the largest stage that North America has ever seen. And I, I still feel that moment like yeah. i can i can take my body in my office in boise idaho a star idaho outside of boise even smaller yeah. just to be specific you want to give me yeah. a street address yeah I can, I, I can take my body out of this and i can still feel the wind on my like feel it right and it's it was just going back to that that point that you're talking about about how song and story right like it was it was such a visceral feeling that i had and that's just this amazing mm-hmm. thing that music Music can do and it's damn i just miss live music so much
1: yeah same the last show i saw was at a castle in ireland with dermot kennedy and mumford and sons and it was oh it was so good there was this one song just like what you're saying where you can transport yourself in yeah it was this driving part of one of his songs and he's singing you won't you won't go lonely or you won't grow lonely i think and they're just driving it, and it just starts to like softly rain.
0: Oh no! Oh. Yeah, it was oh, it was wow.
1: everything that you ever wanted it to be in that moment, and it was just like we're all sitting there going, oh, no!" And there's like tears pouring down, and you don't know if it's the tears or the rain, <laughs> and it's just like
0: the a, <laughs>
1: or the sweat of the guy next to you. Like there a lot of people wasn't good, but it was it was truly it's magical. It's amazing.
2: Yeah. I want to make sure that we cover is, I mean, we could talk about all the fun, fluffy stuff about music, but I do, do want to, um, make sure that we cover some of the like audience building techniques or things that you're doing just for, for other, you know, musicians that are listening. I'd love to hear like what you, how you prioritize as it relates to growing your audience. What do you prioritize? Is it social? Is it streaming? Is it, you know, is it your email lists? Like what on the scale of all the business things that you could be doing, what do you prioritize?
1: Right now, it's just the email list. That's basically the only place where I'm doing updates. And I've posted a few things. I also have a vlog that I update every now and again on YouTube. Kind of one of the things I'm doing next is I'm building up kind of this evergreen newsletter with sequences and ConvertKit. Ooh, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) There's your plug. That allows me to continue to write. And then if someone joins it tomorrow, they start getting the first email. And then it just is this progression and that's a little bit weird because it's like well what about the stuff i'm working on right now cuz if i write an email about you know this i have to make it a little bit more evergreen so that someone in a year could get that email and be like oh he's and it's not going to be like, oh he's writing a song about this thing but what that allows me to do is get more people in and say hey i'm going to post a vlog or i'm going to go on instagram on Instagram stories. I'm really Haley. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm bad at social media. I don't know how to do it. Like I logged into Instagram the other day and it was like one photo of someone I knew. And then it was like, you're all done. And then it was just ads, just scrolling <laughs> other people's feeds. And other, I'm just like, I don't, that's just Instagram now. So strange to yeah.
2: me. That is Instagram.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I was just, and I just closed it. Cause I got, I was just like, this is dumb.
2: But you're good at, you're good at tweeting. Well, you've got that over Haley. <laughs> you've got that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Twitter is kind of where I live. So I'm every now and again, I'm pushing some stuff out. I, I think the thing that I would like to do a little bit more is, is send out snippets of things.
0: Like snippets of songs,
1: live snippets of songs. Yeah. Yes. And this was actually something <laughs> I started doing a little bit ago was streaming on Twitch Music like streaming music production on Twitch. I'm not a huge fan of the platform, but it was just something to kind of like roll into um, and just kind of play around with, I guess. What that did, one, it gave me a constraint of I'm producing music in front of some people and so I've got to keep rolling. And it provided a way for people to connect with the story of the music. So I may do a little bit more of that. Um, I think I would like to move more into the like sharing little snippets here and there. I have like a Twitter account for Season Cove, but... This is going to sound so lame. It's just too much work to like log into that and (laughs) and tweet something and then log back to the account where people actually follow me and then retweet. That just seems like, Mm. you know, that meme where like Obama's putting the metal around himself. That's what it kind of feels like, you know, (laughs) so maybe it's the right move. But for the most part, I'm just like sharing some things on Twitter, trying to get people on my email list and then maybe branching out a little bit more on the future. Um, Instagram obviously is a really big place. They're also new on YouTube. YouTube's also kind of where I like to live. And they have, I don't remember what it's called. It's like YouTube Shorts, I think, is new. Where it's basically like Instagram stories, but on YouTube, essentially. And I have a, a pretty big following on YouTube already. I've got like 3,200 subscribers or something. I just haven't tapped into that yet. I haven't really shared, hey, this is what I'm doing. And here's some tunes I'm working on or whatever.
0: Why is that, do you think? Why haven't you tapped into that place where your largest audience is yet?
1: I think it's because I I struggle with the ongoing process of the music, I think. That's not interesting to me for to me to like, I, I, those are four notes and there's no song, right? Like the ones that you wanna see are the recording process maybe, or the, you know, here's a piece of that that I'm working on and here's how I, I don't know. I'm still pretty self-conscious about it actually, ironically.
2: But you know what in- is interesting about that? To me, it's interesting that you're a seasoned seasoned cove, huh? You're a seasoned musician, but you were stuck on four notes, right? Like that is interesting to me, yeah, and I think that's one of the things uh, like a the last um creator session, bear Reinhardt suffers with like severe, like pretty severe anxiety. Mm-hmm. The majority of the comments, right? Like on that creator session or like, a, you know, people that emailed me were about how hearing the struggle from a musician. Regardless of what the struggle was, whether it was like performance anxiety or struggle writing something or you know like insecurity issues when you're in the writing room with somebody that was really big, right those were the stories that people were most like most interested in, so i don't know, I guess I challenge you on that because I 'm like, how could you tell that story about you being so stuck in your own head about being on four co- four notes right and then in the morning waking up and then being like, "But I could do this
1: I have a thing I have a
0: thing yeah,
2: you know i don't know I know I know." Can I tell you what
0: I want you to do, Corey? Sure. I want you to record more of this process and like not even think about putting it together into a video or uploading it for like maybe even six months, mm. you know? Until you can you can have like an end where you feel like, okay, now the story like is attached to something. I love watching that type of content myself. My favorite band at the moment, Bring Me The Horizon, did this last year. They started working on um, a new song when lockdown hit in the UK and they were like, couldn't go to their studio and things. And it was just the the lead singer and the the lead guitarist um, just hanging out in their at-home studio and working on a song. And they produced like weekly episodes of their progress and what they were working on. And like, sometimes you just saw them like, shouting the same lyric over and over again into the microphone uh, or like, I don't know, let's let's try to get my girlfriend to say it. What if we could bring yeah, that right. into the song and like <laughs> seeing all that stuff, the behind the scenes. Honestly, the song at the end was a bit of a letdown. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the process was more interesting to me, but it was still like, I loved seeing it, you know, and I love tuning into it. So I think that you, you've you got a lot of content gold sitting there, like just waiting.
1: Yeah. I have this interesting struggle that I did. I didn't really know that I had until... Last, I guess, Thursday. So this is very relevant for me right now. I was in New York for one reason or another. That's another long story. But I was in New York and I got to, while I was there, turned out that I was staying in an Airbnb about a mile from a good friend of mine, Eric Friedenson, dot on all of the medias. He's, gr- he's an amazing artist, really fantastic guy. He was showing me his studio and, uh, and at one point he just was feeling kind of inspired and he was just like, go choose a pen. And I was like, oh, okay. So I grabbed a pen and he gave me one of his pieces of paper. It was like really special piece of paper. And he's like, all right, I want you to just start at the top, top corner and just start making a line. And he's also doing it over here. And I'm sitting there going like, well, what kind of line? Like, does he want it to be squiggly? Does he want it to like turn around in a circle? Does he want it to be straight? Like, what am I? He's like, just, I just want you to do the line. And I start going and I'm kind of like looking at his paper. Like, well, what's he doing to it? Do I need to, is this, and he just is walking me through this. Like, I just. Whenever you feel something different, just move the pen in a different way, right? So, right now, I'm feeling kind of like I want a little curve here. And I'm like, okay, well, do I? And I was like, well, this one doesn't, I don't really know what to do with the line here. And he goes, I didn't ask you to judge it.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: I just asked you to feel how the pen was on the paper. I just want you to move it around. And whenever you change things, just change it on the paper. Don't judge the work. Just be in it. Be in that moment with the work. And I was sitting there going, oh, (laughs) because that's such a deeper piece of it, right? Like as artists, it's so hard not to judge it as you go and you're sitting here writing. And, you know, one of the things actually one of the emails that I wrote, one of the hangups that I have is that I try and make things different musically. So it's not the classic four chord structure that you hear. Right, I always I'm like I don't want to I don't want to have ever heard this anywhere else, right? Which is of course a meme because there's everything's already been. It's almost impossible. But I don't want to do the like dun 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 dun. You know, like that's just like the classic. I always want to sit there and like find something unique and make it a different sound and a different chord structure instead of just a C major. I want it to be like a C add nine slash thirteen over D sharp or whatever. Like, and so I get in my own way. Oftentimes, And so when it comes to this kind of sharing and this content that you're talking about, it's because I often judge the work as I go rather than being like, this is just the process. Like this is getting there. This is the feeling, the tip of the pen on the paper. And I'm in that moment with it. And uh, and it's really been like, that was a really big moment for me as he, when he said that of like, don't judge the art. I didn't ask you to do that, and I was like, "Okay, Dad."
2: <laughs> I really want to try that now. I'm like, I'm like really itching for a pen and a piece of paper. Yeah. You know, I really want to
3: <laughs> see if I can feel that. It's like the old saying goes: "Don't let perfection be the enemy of progress." Right? Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: That's it. And and yep. the result wasn't something that you can that I was going to sell. But he was like, so when I looked at the very end, he was like, so when you look at that, what do you feel? And I was like, I don't know. I just. I liked being in the moment with the pen, Yeah, you know, and all of that process leads up to getting to something that can be great, but it requires being in the moment with the art. And that's actually what was kind of nice about streaming was it allowed me to be in that moment with the art with somebody else. And someone was like, oh, yeah, I really like that drum kit. Like, you know, maybe you could try this type of EQ. Oh, well, maybe I'll try that kind of EQ, you know, and uh, and so that stuff is kind of interesting. So it's all a process, I guess.
0: I love that. Wow. Super wise. I feel like I've had like, I don't know, like at least four or five different takeaways from this episode so far. Thanks so much, Corey, for sharing everything. Yeah, I know that um, I'm going to out you a little bit here. Like maybe if we'd asked you to do this a month ago, you wouldn't have even wanted to come on the show and talk about all this yet. You know, like I know Probably. it's been a process for you to own this idea of being a musician and this project that you're doing. So thanks for sharing it with us and for showing up in these early stages because that's what's special I think about what we can do with this show is showcase creators at all different stages of their journey not just the people who have already achieved the $10,000 launch or like you know the best-selling album on the charts and things like that so this has been great
1: thank you yeah
0: thanks for joining us and thanks for everyone joining us in the chat as well and uh, yeah we will see you next week for a new episode I won't be here it's just gonna be Haley and Miguel because I'm going on vacation (laughs) and they will have a great episode for you. So we'll see you at 12.30 Eastern time next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.
3: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you wanna join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 12.30 Eastern.
0: This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.